Welcome. My name is Kevin. If I haven't had the chance to meet you, so glad you're here this morning. So um, we're currently in the season of Lent, and if you are visiting and the, our service is not normal to you, um, well, all of you will have noticed that at the very beginning, we started with reading the Ten Commandments, listening to those and responding, asking God to write these laws on our hearts. And especially if you're new, maybe if you're not new, you might think, this is weird. Why do we do this? And you're right, it is weird coming from the world. And that's exactly how worship should be. It should be just a little bit weird because God has called us out of the world to be his people so that we learn to serve him and re-enter the world as salt and light for his glory. And so where else in the world do you go where there is a law read over you and you respond that you will submit to it? There are not a whole lot of places. But uh, Friday night, um, many of the pastors in our area were in a worship service um, together. We were praying for our churches this weekend and each other. And Bishop Andudu, who is um, a refugee from Sudan, um, he, his life was on the line in Sudan. So he had to leave and bring his family here for safety. And he's been here for a number of years, but he preached to us. And he said, you know, we get these ideas like democracy and we think this is from God. But he said, God is kingdom. You do not get a vote. <laughs> And this is how it is, and this is why we listen to the laws of God as we come into our service, that we might submit our lives to Him more deeply. Now, we are in this season of Lent, preparing for the season of Easter when we celebrate Christ's resurrection and the hope of all things being made right in the world, of God's kingdom coming to earth. And we have had griefs this Lenten season with the death of Victoria Clymer, then also of Karen Cozell. This side of God's kingdom, life is mingled with joys and grief, joys and griefs, with beauty and also with darkness. Now this morning, I, I want to share with you some very good news. The property that our church has been praying for waiting to discern whether God wanted to keep this door open for us and us to walk through it. On Friday at 4 o'clock, that property became Church of the Lamb's property. Isn't this wonderful? If you haven't seen it, there's no one that has stepped on it and walked this property that's not said, this is amazing. How's this happening? It's 31 acres with this large home for our church to office in and offer hospitality. It's right across the street from a major park in which we get to be a, literally a light on a hill for this community. But down the hill, there's this area of quiet, of just a bubbling stream in which we can sit quietly, worship, listen for the voice of God. This is an enormous step in the life of our church, so we need to spend time talking about it. Now, there's this pattern that occurs over and over in the Bible. God gives his people something, something that is much bigger than them, far beyond them, something they never could have obtained on their own or even known how to ask for, and then he calls them with his help to grow into it. He gives it to them. And then he says, 
You're going to need my help to grow into this. You're going to have to step in faith to obtain it, what I want to give you. This is what happens to the nation of Israel. God tells the people of Israel that he is giving them a rich land, a land that is beyond their capacities as a nation to possess. The people already in the land are like monsters compared to Israel. They're physically larger, they're more numerous, and they are brutally violent. Israel, on the other hand, is the smallest of nations. They've been in slavery for hundreds of years. But God tells them repeatedly, I'm giving you this land. Do not be afraid. Go in and I will be with you. And Israel is called to grow into this gift that God is giving them. And it doesn't happen only to Israel as a nation. It happens to individuals. Gideon is a man from one of the weakest families in Israel. And within his family, he is the weakest. But God chooses him to be the deliverer of Israel. And Gideon argues with God, says, I'm not your guy. But Gideon has to grow into the role by listening to God and obeying him. God being his helper. Now the same thing happens with David, who becomes the king over Israel, the model king over Israel. He's the youngest of his brothers. He's the smallest of them. But he's anointed king because God says so. And then he spends years growing into the role with God's help. God gives a gift. Then he calls us with his help to grow into the gift. This is the pattern. And this pattern reaches reaches its highest point in what God gives people through a relationship to Jesus Christ. When we look to the person of Jesus, to his death and resurrection as God's way of conquering sin and death and bringing us into relationship with God, when we look to Christ as our Redeemer, our Savior, God then gives us The same status as Jesus. This is amazing. He covers us with Jesus' perfect goodness and love. What the Bible calls Jesus' righteousness. He was perfect and clean. In 2 Corinthians, Paul says, God made him to be sin who knew no sin. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Because of Jesus, God looks at us in a completely different light than we look at ourselves. He sees us in the light that is cast by Jesus. He looks at us as his beloved children and he thinks of the good that he desires to give us, to lavish on us. No eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. This is the way that God thinks of us in Jesus. When we stand in the light of Jesus. So God gives us his son and he applies to us everything that belongs to Jesus. But this doesn't mean we are immediately perfected. So God calls us to grow into this new reality that he's given us. To live into how he sees us. To become more and more who we're made to be as his image bearers. 
Listen to 2 Corinthians again. Beholding the glory of the Lord, we're being transformed into his image from one degree of glory to another. There's this prayer within the Anglican church that we sometimes pray on Sundays that as much as we've fallen from the image in which God has created us, that we would be even more restored into his glory. And this is what God does in Christ. There is this pattern that God follows, the way he works. He gives us things that are much bigger than us, much more wonderful than we deserve or can obtain on our own. And then he calls us in the strength of his spirit to courageously step forward and grow into the gift that he desires to give. And this is what God has done in the life of Church of the Lamb. He's given us, a small church, something that is much bigger than us. 31 acres of beautiful land, of rocks and flowing stream. Uh, He really has given Church of the Lamb a multi-generational project. It will not be done when any of us here, uh, the adults anyway, pass away. It's a place that if he tarries, it will continue to be stewarded by children and grandchildren. Uh, You know, the children of Israel, as they wandered in the desert, were told by God, I'm giving you this land. But you must go in and possess it. Don't be afraid. I'll be with you. And so God has opened this door. He's given us the land. But how do we now take ownership and begin growing into what God is giving us? This is the question that our church is going to be asking, thinking about, and praying into for the months to come. And what I want to tell you today is the first thing we need to do is simply give thanks and bless the Lord as a church. This is what he's called us to do for this season. Deuteronomy 8, 7 says, The Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. And that's the case for us. As I said, no one who's walked it can do so without commenting on its uniqueness and beauty. And being God's children means that we're to imitate him, right? We do what dad does. And in the story of creation, God spends time just looking at his creation and saying, it's good. And he looks on us and he says, it's very good. Do you ever wonder why humans take so much delight in looking out over a landscape and just taking in its beauty? There's absolutely nothing that is observably productive about it. But we love it and we can't stop ourselves. Part of our work as God's image bearers, part of what has been put within us, and a way that we give thanks to God, is simply naming goodness when we see it. And we need to do this at this place. We need to soak in it the prayers of thanksgiving by simply taking in its beauty and saying, God, this is yours and it's good. And now I want you to know the church is insured. We have liability insurance. And so the land is open to you. It's yours. And anytime you you would like, you can go walk and pray. You can take a picnic lunch. You can let your kids play in the creek, though I do recommend that you give them a bath after that because there have been lots of cows in it. 
walk this land slowly, take in all the hidden treasures that are on it, the different bends that are in the stream if you walk by it slowly, the way the water flows over rocks in one place and then differently in another, the roots of the sycamores that spread out above the land into the creek, the stone that's scattered over the land, and then there's this gnarled tree that is growing over a rock. Look at all of it closely and say with God, this is good. Now look, I, some of us don't have to be told to give thanks. It's a natural reflex. Dan is going to stand up in a few minutes and talk about why he's grateful. And we might have to tell him to sit down. We might have to. He's so good at it. Others of us, for whatever reason, whether it's personality Whatever it is, it's more difficult for us to move into a place of just unbridled gratitude. We need to be told sometimes. Because if we wait until we feel like it, we'll become hardened and we'll lack the ability to take significant steps of faith in our lives. And we'll call it wisdom and prudence, but oftentimes at its root, it's fear that keeps us from taking steps of faith. Now also, even though not all of you have been a part of this process at the same level, everyone is invited to take this journey with us. It, it is yours. And it starts with thanksgiving. Psalm 107 begins with a command. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. And later it gives a reason why. For he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. What God has done and is doing for Church of the Lamb, it's not just about Church of the Lamb. It's a testimony to who God is. He is full of goodness and love. He desires to lavish good things on his children because he loves us. And so as much as we're giving thanks for this piece of land, we are also testifying to God's goodness. He does fill the hungry with good things. We're telling you this. It's happened for us. He does satisfy the longing soul. So where are you hungry? Where are you longing? Are you taking it to the God who does love you and desires to satisfy your soul? You know, as we heard in Deuteronomy, even when the children of Israel were in the wilderness, God fed them with manna. Their clothing didn't wear out and their feet didn't swell. So whether we're in a wilderness or in a rich land, God does provide for us out of his love. And if we are in a wilderness, we have to keep the faith that God has a land of promise for us too. He's leading toward a place of healing, delight, a land where there's no scarcity, where we can eat and be full. This is the trajectory for the people of God. So if you don't know this God, I invite you, come get to know him. This is a place where you can do that. If you're struggling to believe in him, come talk to me. I'd love to talk about that. So as a way of helping us as a church learn to give thanks over the next few weeks, there are going to be people who come up and share what they're grateful for about this gift that God has given to our church. And if you have a particular burden that you'd like to share that, then, then come talk to me. 
love for you to be one of those people. I want to first just share personally the gratitude that Katie and I experience in this. You know, there's this story in the Old Testament of King David when he leads the ark of God. It had been away from the land of Israel for years and years. He led in one failed attempt to get it back to Israel. Instead of actually getting it back, it killed someone. But then the time when it's successful, David just dances with joy before the people and his wife is completely embarrassed. Uh, That could happen. She she would be even more embarrassed. Listen, I just cannot communicate to you the depth of joy and gratitude that we feel. As Katie said this morning, I was just asking, is there anything you want? It really feels like this is a miracle. Everything about it feels like a miracle to us. I'll share with you just one story that illustrates a place where God met us. Katie and I don't look for God under every rock and behind every corner. But there are times where God just appears to meet us exactly where we are. And this happened in this process. We've been looking for a house for nine months or more. Everything was either awful, awful, or it fell through in dramatic ways. And we kept looking and asking God, God, you want to give us good things. I trust you do. Where is it? Come help us. And then the church found this place and started looking at it. And it was a house that we could potentially live in and the church and all this. And the background to our story is that we lived in Baton Rouge and we were going to move to Massachusetts for me to attend school and for Katie to work as a nurse. And while we were trying to move, this was about eight years ago, while we were trying to move, Katie was having trouble getting a job. We felt like God had called us to it, but we kept struggling to make it land. And Katie goes to visit and she goes to this town we had never heard of called Lowell, Massachusetts. And she just walks in a hospital randomly, puts in an application, and they say, can you interview now? And she says, okay. And so then she goes to get on the plane uh, to leave to come back home, and they call and say, we'd like to offer you the job. <laughs> so we go to live in Lowell, Massachusetts. Now, here's something about Lowell. It is, a, it is not a great place to live. <laughs> it is not. And so God provided for us, but there's always been this sense of, God, why Lowell? That was not a wonderful place. It was 45 minutes from anything that we were doing in Massachusetts. It just so happens that Samuel, our oldest, ended up being born in the town where Fran was born. So that's pretty amazing. That's a good town, Fran says. So in our story, we reflect on that and we say, God, why Lowell? Why? You can provide anything for your children. Why Lowell? So in this process, um, we're, we're going through the process with the land. The family agrees to uh, enter into a contract together. I have to get the names of all the children who have, their names have to go on the contract. So I'm talking to the daughter that we're dealing with the most. And I ask, can you give me your siblings' names? And she says, yeah. Um, so my brother, his name is Lowell. And I said, oh, that's cool. We used to live in a town called Lowell. And I just, I didn't think much of it. Um, and then that night, we, I get home and Katie comes up to me and says, hey, I was going through our change jar and I saw this quarter that was really interesting. It had something interesting on it. And Lowell is this um, mill, old mill town where everything has um, died, really. 
And she picks up this quarter and it's the, there's a mill on it and it's Lowell, Massachusetts. As I said, I, we don't look for God under every nook and cranny. But there was a real sense from both of those things happening in one day that God was saying, I see you and I love you and I'm going to provide for you. So I just want to say to you personally as a church that I'm grateful for the sense of faith in this body, the willingness to follow the Lord into places that we, we don't know where exactly how he's going to work and what he's going to do. And I trust that God is going to be so faithful to us because he loves us and we are his children. And he's going to bless this body of people. Dan, will you come now and share out of your own heart why you're grateful to God? Can you hear me all right? My name is Dan Velker, and I'm on the parish council, so that's how I ended up in this, this position. And Kevin's asked me a few times through the years. Um, I was at that you know, original Church of the Lamb meeting at the Hansons, and um, he's asked me a few times. He's like, yeah, Dan, get up and talk. He says, you seem to be pretty good at dream casting. And I'm like, okay, okay. I don't know why he keeps asking me to do this. It seems it just doesn't feel like who I am, but, but he keeps throwing me up here to do this. Um, and so I so I keep doing it, and and I, you know, it's some of it's just coming out of my heart. Some of it's what the council has said. You should say this, um, you know. And how many years ago was it that I stood up and said, "Hey, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna leave Elkton and go to, you know, be at East Rockingham Church." And in that, when I was talking that time, I, you all remember that we're there. I said because we're gonna have land, and we're gonna put a cemetery in that land. Well, here we are. We have land, and I'll come back to the cemetery in a minute. Um, there, there are giants on that land right now, but thankfully, they're f fairly gentle. They're Herefords, and we should be able to shush them off if we work together, so we don't need to worry about violence taking over the land of Canaan. Um, yeah, this last few days has been uh, joy. That's That's the word that that just settles in my in my heart. Um, Thursday, Travis came over to the to my shop, and and we were just yapping. He had something to give me, and and he's like, "Isn't this just just, just incredible?" And we just sort of stand there and smile at each other, like like uh, how did how did the two of us end up in this place right now, about to walk into a title agency and sign this deed for this um, this church, this place, and this time. Uh, so joy, right? Experiencing God's presence, that's joy. It's a uniquely Christian word, joy. Um, you trace his finger. When you can't see his, can't, can't see it, and you're like, I don't know if we're doing, I don't know if we're in. You turn around, you look backwards, and you trace the finger, and trace the finger of God that brought you to where you are. And then you'll know whether you're moving in the right direction. His, he was there at the Hansons at the founding of this church. He was there in the group of people that were brought together to form this church. It, it again, boggling my mind is not the right word, but that's all I can come up with at the moment. 
this idea, the dream of us and how we're going to serve this community percolating within us, giving us a dream for this property, guiding us to here, where we weren't real sure how we are going to make this work, but we made it work, and it's incredibly lovely. And it's worked so well, and it's given us a taste for the beauty of the outside even more. Like, I think these properties happened because of how much we appreciated worshiping here. Unity of direction on the council, unity of direction amongst, you know, the laity, as you all talk to us, and as we've opened it up to conversation, everyone, it's all gone in one direction. Like, I've never been a part of a body that has moved so faithfully in one direction. The open doors, the closed doors that kept us from other pieces of property, because I've driven Rockingham County, East Rockingham, every road, looking for property at one point, several years ago. Like, there's got to be something, Lord. We know this is what you want us to do. There has to be something. And I just drove roads. Like, I just spent two days driving everything, looking at everything, just to find something. Nothing. So Friday, at the Westview title, Frank Doherty and I, you know, were the chosen representatives of the council, and we got to sit across this table with these four kids who who have known and loved the property. They didn't grow up on it. The, they built the house in the 80s, but they've always, you know, so, so for their mom uh, and dad. So, um, but they know and love the property, but they're, they're just, you know, passing on a piece of property that they've had in the family for 60 years. Um... I don't know that they had any great sense that this was a momental, momentous occasion. But I, of course, came in and sat down. Frank was five minutes late. So I sat there for five minutes looking across at these four siblings saying, I, I'm sure I'm going to speak out of turn here, but you, you guys need to understand how big this is. Like you are sitting at this table right now. You are in the will of God right now. <laughs> you could see them all just like, Look, like, they look at the sister like, who are we about to sell this thing to? And I kind of relay just a little bit of what I just did just now, like just sort of like the history of, of what has brought us to this place and how, and then how we're going to use the place, what we're going to do. And they all, you know, good stoic Mennonites didn't really betray any emotion in my, in my, from what I was saying. And of course I had a mask on. And they hadn't seen me without a mask, and my beard was, I'm sure my face was like this with the, with the, the beard. And so they couldn't really, they were pretty sure from my eyes I was smiling, but I, they couldn't quite tell. Um, and so I was started listing off, I said, how are we going to make this the most objectively beautiful place in Rockingham County? And kind of listed off a few of the things that we'd talked about, how we're going to, you know, use this space to promote the beauty of God's world. And and I described the church at the top of the hill and how this will probably end up putting it up there. And I said, and we're going to ring it with a cemetery. And all of their eyes went <clears throat> like that. And then you could see on their faces, I, I, something about that statement made them believe what I was saying. Like, this is a place that will, um, the the saints that have gone before, will be recognized. The shoulders that we all stand on, we want our great-great-grandkids to be standing on ours and to see what has gone into bringing us here. 
we're not islands. You know, we are part of a body that has brought us to this place, and we want to recognize that in that. Whether we actually do a cemetery around it, I, you know, I don't know exactly. <laughs> Today. That's right. <laughs> I did. I did, however, spend Friday morning re reading through all the Virginia statutes on it, and and there we are absolutely allowed to put a cemetery as a church on the property. So whether the top of the hill with all the rocks is the right place, I you know we'll, we'll figure all that out in days to come. But um, I just want you to know that I the 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 motto of this school has been impressed on my heart for years and. Somehow we're going to steal it when we move it to this move this property, take some piece of it, because I really, really look forward to experiencing that property with you guys, and His presence there, in truth, in goodness, and most of all in beauty.